right, check this out. Uh, once upon a time in the 18th century, that's right, in England, okay, I've got to work on my accent there. Work with me, John. Okay, there was this vagabond and he was exhausted and he was famished, right? But as fate would have it, he came across this roadside inn that was called George and the Dragon. Okay, George and the Dragon was the name of the inn. And so the hungry guy, he knocks on the door at the inn and at this, the innkeeper's wife stuck her head out the window and the vagabond asked, he says, uh, could ye spare some porridge? You like that? That's as best as I can do, okay? And so the woman, she looked at the man, she saw sh uh, shabby, dirty clothes and she shouted back, yeah. And so then the man asked, well, could I have a pint of broth, right? And without missing a beat, the woman yelled back, no. And so undaunted, the vagabond then asked, well, uh, could I at least use your washroom? That's better, don't you like that one? Okay. And, but the woman just shouted back once again, no. And so that this, the vagabond asked, well, might I please? What now? Said the woman, not even letting the guy finish his statement. And so the vagabond simply asked, do you suppose I might have a word with George? George and the dragon. You see, it's called George and the dragon. Yeah, you didn't get that one, but I liked it anyway. But that's the point, okay? That lady was not only rude, but man, she wasn't even open to any kind of request, was she, for help? Not at all. But that's right, believe it or not, three of you will get that as you leave the sanctuary in about an hour, okay? <laughs> but she's not alone, folks. Did you know the Bible says, believe it or not, the whole planet one day is going to be just as rude as that lady was, okay? And that's because God's been requesting to help us, to save us, to rescue us from the wrath to come for the last 2,000 years, but we won't listen. We're just like that lady. Yeah. And so the Bible says, hey man, unfortunately, if you persist, you're gonna be thrust into the Antichrist kingdom, which Jesus said is the worst time in the history of mankind. You will have wished you said yes instead. And of course, that all begins at the rapture of the church. As we've been seeing, folks, the reason why it's such a nightmarish time uh, is because for those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they're going to be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation. And that is not a joke. It's real. And it's a horrid time, as we've been seeing. It's a time that God's going to pour out his wrath on this wicked and rebellious planet. And that's what Jesus said. It's going to be the worst thing in the history of mankind. And that unless God even shortened that time frame, the entire human race would be wiped out. But as we've been seeing, the good news is God's not just the God of wrath, which again, that's not bad. That means he is going to have a day, judgment day, when all this evil and baloney and the injustice is taken care of. That's good news. But he's also a God of love as well. And because he loves you and I and his creation in general, okay, he's given us so many warning signs to let us know when it's getting close. So you don't miss the boat, so you don't get left behind. And so even we Christians can get excited about a return of Jesus Christ. Amen. Therefore, in order to keep you and I here in sunrise from uh, uh, experiencing the ultimate bad day of being left behind, even worse than apparently that dragon lady joke, uh, we're going to continue our study, uh, that's right, called The Final Countdown, okay? And we've already seen, that's right, Daniel, I know you got them all memorized, but uh, for the rest of us, uh, we've already seen the number 10 sign on The Final Countdown was Jewish people, that's right. Number nine was modern technology. Number eight was worldwide upheaval. Number seven, the rise of falsehood. Number six, the rise of wickedness. Number five, the rise of apostasy. Number four, the rise of a one world religion. And the last three times, the third sign was the rise of a one world government. And what we saw is that God clearly, lovingly foretold you and I that when we see all the governments around the world coming together as one, which is happening right now today before our very eyes. And we saw that with the chronological proof the administration proof, the quotation proof, the tactical proof, and last time the control proof, whereas we saw the Antichrist is going to control the planet and literally everything we do. He's doing it with our food supply. He's doing it with our water supply. He's doing it with our health care supply. Why? 
Because the text says in Revelation 13, he's going to force us, he's going to make us, he's going to cause us, he's going to order us to do what he says, including ultimately take this mark in your right hand or your forehead or you will die. And so we saw, folks, hey, that control, that's happening right now all across the planet. We better get motivated. We're living in the last days. But that's not all the seventh proof we know that we're really headed for a one world government is what I call the monitor proof. That's right, the big eye in the sky. What we're going to talk about, Lord willing, folks, for the next couple of weeks is the whole issue of big brother. You guys ever have a big brother? Right? Do you have a big brother like mine who is not only really big? It was a dry year when they plucked me because my older brother is like six foot two ex-football player. I know, I try to hide it. No, but, uh, uh, but anyway, but uh, they always came up with the ideas of, for you to do stuff, the dangerous stuff. And then, of course, you got to do it and they got to watch you go to the hospital. But anyway, that's right. Big brother is what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, that for the next couple of weeks, okay? The Bible's clear, folks. We are not just headed for an evil antichrist control system over the whole planet. But the Bible is clear. In order for him to logically ensure that control over the whole planet, he's got to have some way to be able to monitor literally every single thing that goes on on the planet. And I mean everything. And that's exactly what the Bible presupposes. Let's take a look at, at the text again, Revelation 13, if you will. Revelation 13, once again, our text is uh, verses 11 through 18. Let's take a look there. Revelation 13, if you find Genesis, what do you do? Series right, flip it over or start all over, do something like that. Revelation 13, and uh, once again, it's the classic text that we saw last week with the false prophet the, uh, and the Antichrist. And what do they do to the whole world? Let's take a look once again at that text. Revelation 13 verses 11 through 18 says this then i saw another beast this is talking about the false prophet here uh, coming out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb but he spoke like a dragon again he's satanically inspired okay he exercised all authority of the first beast on his behalf and he made the earth he what he made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed and he performed these great and miraculous signs even causing fire to come down from heaven uh, to earth in full view of men and because of these signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, the Antichrist, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image and honor the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead. Why? So that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, this calls for wisdom. If anyone's got insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, the Antichrist, for it is man's number. His number is 666. Okay? And folks, if you were here last week, we saw that the Bible clearly says in that text there that the false prophet in the last days is not only going to dupe the whole world into worshiping the Antichrist, but he's going to what? It says there are four verbs that are going on there. He's going to make them. He's going to order them. He's going to cause them. He's going to force them to do whatever he says to do. Otherwise, the penalty is you're going to die. Okay? And again, I want to focus this week there on the verbs there, the key words there, make, order, cause, and force. Okay, because I think when you peel it back, it's going to bring out another element that we're going to study today. Okay, it's the Greek word there. Uh, they literally mean to carry out, to command, to direct, or to execute. What it means there is to carry out, to command, to direct, or to execute. And so this implies that you've got some serious enforcement going on here. Okay, and contextually, it's not just enforcement, serious enforcement 
to make, to cause, to order, to force. But it's on a global context. So this tells us it's a global enforcement. This guy somehow has the ability to force anybody on the whole planet to do whatever he says to do or to give the death penalty out and execute it. It's on a global scale. And so here's the point. In order for this passage to be pulled off, okay, you have to have not only some serious control over the planet, but you have to have some serious ability to monitor everyone on the planet. And I think the reason why is pretty obvious. Trying to control the whole planet is a huge task for a guy. The Antichrist is a guy, okay? That's a huge task. To, I mean, and ladies, we, we can't even find our socks in the drawer, can we? It's right there. They just weren't there yet, okay? And, and so trying to control not just where's the socks, honey, and the whole planet. Where's everybody on the whole planet? That's a huge task, okay? And, and this is what we see that's going on here. How are you going to enforce the whole planet to do your will? How are you going to, because this is what's going on here. One guy has the ability to micromanage the whole planet. And the reason why that's important is because you know there's going to be a lot of resistors. Even if you grab, as we saw last week, even if you grab control of the uh, food supply and the water supply and the health supply, people are still going to resist. They're still going to try to escape your system. So what do you do? How do you enforce the people across the planet to do what you say? Well, simple, if you think about it. You not only control what the planet gets to eat and drink, but at the same time, you develop a big brother type surveillance system that monitors everything we do and think. Okay, you have to logically, okay? Because then you will know anywhere on the planet who those resistors are. Then you will know on the planet everything because you're listening in. You are going to set up a system to make sure that you cannot leave, otherwise you will die, okay? But I don't know about you guys, but I'm so glad that we see absolutely zero signs of anybody having the ability to monitor every single thing that we say, think, and do on the planet. How about you? Isn't that so refreshing? Unfortunately, that's what we're going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks. It's already here. Boy, is it ever. The first type of big brother surveillance system, folks, that they've already put into place to force you and I to go along with this one world government is our information system. They are literally building a matrix, folks, okay? And they thought of everything as we saw before, okay? They're not stupid, okay? You see, you might be out there thinking something like this. Okay, okay, hey, may, okay, they're still not going to get me, man. There's no way. Me and Daniel, whoa, we're, yeah, we got this all planned out, okay? We're not going along with this one world government, okay? Uh, uh, maybe you got control of the food and the, the water and the health care and all that stuff as we saw last week. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to unplug myself from the system, so to speak. I'm just going to become the anonymous guy and check out they'll never find me john <laughs> right nice plan but the problem is uh, that'll never happen if they control your information okay and folks whether you realize it or not that's already being done it's been being done for a long time now uh, even here in america folks believe it or not there's already in place massive amounts of databases to identify everything about us who we are what we do what we think everything in fact they're so big they call them mega databases Okay, one company in the U.S. is called Axiom. Uh, Axiom is the name of the company. And it's one of the world's largest databases that has, listen, information, massive information on 95% of the households here in the United States. And 24 hours a day, listen, they gather and store information on you and I from credit card transactions, magazine subscriptions, telephone numbers, real estate records, car registrations, even fishing licenses, just to name a few. And they put all this together, and right now in the United States, and this is just one of many companies, they can provide a complete profile on you and I, each one of us, listen, right down to specifics, whether we own a dog or a cat, enjoy camping or gourmet cooking, read the Bible, 
or other books, what our occupation is, what we drive, what videos we watch, how much gas and food we buy, even our favorite location, uh, favorite spots. They know it all, everything about us. They have a profile. In fact, it's estimated right now that in the developed world, each adult, listen, whether we realize it or not, each adult is already located on approximately 300 different databases. And you got approximately 1,500 data points on you. That's a huge file, whether we realize it or not, okay? Big Brother, in other words, is already here, folks, unfortunately, even in the United States. And so the question is, well, how in the world did these guys get this information from us to develop this profile on us, to know everything about us, what we do, think, and say, right, for control purposes? Well, folks, believe it or not, uh, there's already a multitude of ways that they're doing to get it from us. But here's one of the sneaky things. They've actually tricked you and I into giving them this personal, intimate, detailed information about us voluntarily. And the first way that they've done it is with those loyalty cards. You know, those cards that they give us to supposedly save some money at the stores that we shop at and the, and the grocery stores and the malls and all that stuff. And the whole premise is, hey, you, you do this because you're going to save so much money. Yeah, in exchange for building a database on virtually everything you buy, but you're going to save so much money, right? Well, folks, people have investigated that. And we're not only not saving money like we think we are, but we're actually funding to build these database prisons on ourselves. Check this out. These guys expose him. We have an optimum card. Do you have a discount card? No. Yes. Chapters card. No, what's that? Here's the plan. Find out what these big companies do with all that prime personal information in their possession after your loyal submission into their club card confederation. We target two loyalty programs because so many of you have these cards in your wallet. With the No Fee Shoppers Drug Mart Optimum card, spend money, get points. The promise? Add up points to get free stuff. What do they get from you? Your name, birth date, address, and the ages of your children, and all of your spending habits. At Safeway, the free club card gives special prices on select items. The promise? To save you money. What do they get from you? A look at the products you buy, connected with your name, address, and phone number. So who benefits from these uh, cards? Because consumers clearly think they do. Well, we, we've actually, in five years of doing this, have been unable to find a single consumer benefit from using these cards. But hold on a second. We thought these cards are all about saving a dime. So we launched Project Grocery Bag. We shop at four different grocery stores, including a Safeway. We buy the same 10 items in every store. The tally at the real Canadian Superstore, $18.38. Our corner market is almost $5 more at $23.15. IGA is just a few cents up at $23.59. But the big jump comes at Safeway, where the total hits $28.10. That's almost $10 more than at Superstore. But with the Safeway Club Card savings, the total drops to $26.22. Still more than the other three stores, but they tell us we've saved almost $2. What we advise people to do is find a store that doesn't have the card. Because we are essentially, with our shopping dollars, we're funding this whole monster. We are funding the system. We're funding the databases. We're paying the salaries of the people who are collecting this data on us. We are essentially paying to build our own data prisons here. 
thought we were saving a buck, man. We're not only not saving a buck, but what are we paying for? We're paying for these guys to build and continue to build this massive amount of information on us, okay? But that's not all. Another way they get our information from us freely, they've tricked us into it, is credit rating agencies, okay? Believe it or not, folks, right now, each credit rating agency has files on over 200 million of us here in the United States, and they not only know our credit history, but they are the ones who determine our credit future. In other words, what we get to buy or sell, Okay, but that's soon all. They also get our personal information from us from credit card companies. Okay, right now there's 600 million, 610 million credit cards in the United States. And of course, they not only know our credit histories, but they also know what we buy, when we buy, when we're likely to default on our payments of what we buy. And then of course, they adjust the interest rates accordingly. Interesting, but that's not all. They also get our information. Pay attention, you internet users. They also get our information, our personal information from search engines, from search engines. It is not private, folks. You need to wear that. Every search, listen to this, you perform on Google goes into Google's giant database, which it uses to keep a profile on our habits and interests. The search engine also tracks which links you click on during your search. Then they use that information to place targeted ads into your browser. Have you ever noticed that? You're just surfing for something in general. Hey, what are some tour spots in Hawaii? You just did a little search there. Literally, uh, next thing you know, off onto the right side of where they have the banners or the commercials, all of a sudden it's like, hey, check out these airplane tickets to Hawaii. Well, how did they know I was interested? It's all interconnected, okay? And believe it or not, then they, they get you from both ways. They use their Gmail account, if you have one from Google, their Gmail, and they use that to monitor, listen, your email and also the content of your email, and then they use that to place these targeted ads against you, and so you get it both ends. And then just to make sure that they know everything about us, listen, they also record your credit card information, your personal account information that you volunteer of, they track which videos you watch, they, they know where you're planning on visit and what you're planning on doing there. And listen, Google's co-founder, Sergey Brin, said their goal, Google, listen, is quote, to be like the mind of God. Direct quote. Direct quote. They want to know everything about you and quote, it's a future they are feverishly working to make a reality today. They're gonna to know everything about you. But that's still all. Another way they get us to offer up this personal information for free, boy, we've been snookered, is social media. Huh? You know, Facebook, Twitter, aren't those things nifty? Yeah. You maybe not think so after this, okay? Social media, as we all know, has now become one of the most uh, important and popular forms of personal communication and personal information sharing down to where we are, what we're doing, what we're thinking, what we're like, what our mood is, everything about us. But it's also become a goldmine for these database companies to literally build a profile, intimate profile, on, on, on anywhere, anything across the planet, okay? And folks, uh, what we need to do, though, is if you've done your homework, where did this whole Facebook thing come from anyway? Is it really just about social media sharing? Is it a privilege for us to do that? Or was there a plan in place to get us to offer up this information because they want to know everything about us? Let's take a look at who funded Facebook. Let's take a look at that. Do you have a Facebook? Have you thought about the privacy you put at risk? The Facebook allows users to post their favorite music, books, movies, their address, hometown, phone number, email, clubs, jobs, educational history, birth dates, sexual orientation, interests, daily schedules, exactly how they are related to friends, upload pictures of themselves, and even political affiliations. 
Its privacy policy even goes so far as to state it also collects information about you from other sources, such as newspapers and instant messaging services. This information is gathered regardless of your use of the website. Have you seen the Facebook's Pulse feature? Pulse provides statistical trends among universities down to minute details such as percentages of females with conservative views, the student body's top 10 movies, and percentage of students who have read Catcher in the Rye. The so-called privacy policy goes on to say that they may share your information with third parties, including responsible companies with which they have a relationship. Can you think of any marketing group who would pass up buying such valid yet easily collected statistics such as these and others? So maybe they're using us. But is there more? Funding came in the form of $12.7 million from venture capital firm Excel Partners. Excel's manager, James Breyer, was former chair of the National Venture Capital Association. Breyer served in National Venture Capital Association's board with Gilman Louie, CEO of InQtel, a venture capital firm established by the Central Intelligence Agency in 1999. This firm works in various aspects of information technology and intelligence, including, most notably, nurturing data mining technologies. Breyer has also served on the board of BBN Technologies, a research and development firm known for spearheading the ARPANET, or what we know today as the Internet. The IAO stated its mission was to gather as much information as possible about everyone in a centralized location for easy perusal by the United States government, including though not limited to internet activity, credit card purchase history, airline ticket purchases, car rentals, medical records, educational transcripts, driver's licenses, utility bills, tax returns, and any other available data. All of the above raises more questions than answers. Unless, of course, you know what the Bible says, that in the last days, the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to build this exact same type of system. They have to in order to pull off what Revelation 13 says they're going to do. Well, I don't know about you, but it looks to me like all this information gathering in the last days is leading to a total monitoring of our everyday lives, anyone, anywhere on the whole planet. Isn't that amazing? Hey, forget Facebook. Let's call it what it is. It's called Tracebook. We'll get that word out there. Okay, and again, you've got to think of the implications here. This is what's wild, folks. For the first time in the history of mankind, this isn't science fiction. This isn't the year 2051. It's right now. We have the ability to learn and acquire and to create a database and get single, minute, personal information on anywhere, anytime on the whole planet. That's here now. It's never been here in, the, in, the, in, the, in mankind's history. And so the question is, well, gee whiz, uh, next thing you know, somebody's probably going to appear on the scene and use all this information against us to force us to go along with some sort of a one-world government or we're going to die. And where have I heard that before? The technology's already here, folks. They're building the profile on us. They're going to know everything about us, not just our habits, but we're going to see the second type of surveillance system they got. They put these two together, and boy, do they got a serious profile. They even got a record of everything we say, and that's because the second surveillance system they got going on is our communication it's not just our personal information to find out everything about us, what we do, what we can predict. They predict our behavior, everything, folks. They predict our mood, everything, what we do. They are recording our conversations. You see, because you might be out there thinking, again, they thought of everything. You say, well, hey, there's no way, man, they're going to get me and uh, Dario. Uh, but uh, uh, because I tell you, what, okay, okay, so maybe they got all my personal information. They snooker me in to give that up, and, and they got this huge, massive database on me, and they're trying to pigeonhole me into doing what they say, but I still got my communication devices. I, I can just secretly communicate my rebellion and, uh, against this antichrist system, and I can just stay hidden with my network of friends and avoid their radar. And not if you control also the communication systems. 
And folks, believe it or not, did you know the Bible says during the seven-year tribulation that communication is not only going to be important, communication at that time could literally become a matter of life and death. I didn't say that Jesus did. Let's take a look at that text. It's Matthew 24, and he talks about that time. It's a horrible time frame. Verses 3, 7, and 9 through 10. Here's what Jesus said. And as the, uh, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the, the disciples came to him privately and asked the classic question. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What's going to be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? As we saw before, Jesus said, nation is going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Do we see that today? Yeah, it's going on. Uh, there's going to be famines. There's going to be earthquakes in various places, but that's not all. He says, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you're going to be hated by all nations because of me. Listen, and at that time, many will turn away from the faith, and they will what? Here's the key word, betray, is what he says, and hate each other. Okay? Now, folks, the Bible clearly says, Jesus speaking here, says there's not only going to be clear-cut signs in the last days, Massive wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes. We've seen that before. And we also saw that he said there's going to be a massive rise of persecution for the followers of Jesus. We dealt with that for six weeks on the one world religion sign, remember? It's happening right now. But here's the point that I want to draw out in this text, okay? What do they do to the followers of Jesus? Okay, what it said there, they says they not only persecute them, they not only hate them, but ultimately they want to kill them okay and the word they use there that they're going to do that is the word betray betray literally means to turn them in they're going to turn christians in on a global scale okay and that's exactly what the greek word betray there means it's paradidomai and it means listen to give into the hands of to give up to the custody of another for judgment punishment or to be put to death that's what it means betray it's more than just, oh, betrayed confidence. They're, it's an action. They're going to turn you in. They're going to give you into the custody of somebody else for the purpose of judgment, punishment, or death. And so the Bible says, listen, the followers of Jesus are, let's, let's expand it. It's not just, oh, they're going to be betrayed. No, what's literally going in here is the followers of Jesus during the seven-year tribulation are going to be turned in for death. Not just hate him, not just persecuted. And again, what's the context? This is happening on a global scale. So here's the question. How in the world is somebody going to do this? How are they going to pull this off on a global context? How are you going to know if somebody's a Christian anywhere on the whole planet at any time and turn them in for death? Okay, how are you going to know that? Because as long as they, if you will, keep quiet in public and try to stay out of sight, how are you going to know? Well, apparently what you'd have to do is uh, control the whole communication system around the world. And then once you did that, all you had to do, once you got that monitoring system up, then all somebody anywhere on the whole planet had to do was just mention Jesus. Got him. But again, I don't know about you, but whew, I'm glad we don't see any signs of anybody having the technology to monitor every single conversation on the whole planet. Yes, they have, folks. They're already doing it. And they've been doing it for years. They're already monitoring every conversation on the planet for the first time in the history of mankind. And believe it or not, they've already started, folks, uh, with your cell phone. What? Yeah, in fact, it's so commonplace to monitor your conversations with your cell phone that even old disgruntled boyfriends are using it against their girlfriends. Check this out. This is crazy. Cell phones are an essential lifeline for most of us, connecting us to work, family, and friends. But could they be used to spy on you? News on 6 crime reporter Lori Fulbright has an investigation that will change the way you view your cell phone in tonight's 6 on Assignment. Well, Scott and Terry, I met a woman last fall who was being stalked by her ex-boyfriend. She was convinced he was using her cell phone to learn things about her that were private. 
Well, it seemed pretty far-fetched, and police were stumped. But we started digging and doing some research, and we actually did find a way to take control of someone else's phone. We can do all the things her ex was doing, listen to conversations, read text messages, even turn the phone into a microphone. And we can do it from anywhere, and the victim would never know. Carla Robinson's ex has stalked her for three years. Nobody could figure out how he was able to track her every move, her every conversation, especially when he was often out of state. We have discovered, though, how he could have turned her cell phone into a high-tech snooping device. She allowed us to download the software we found onto her phone. We asked her and a friend to talk over coffee. She's not using the phone, it's just sitting nearby. When we first started filing reports on this, the cops told us there was really nothing illegal about what he was doing because the laws were so far behind technology. I'm a block away in my car, listening to every word. When we first started filing reports on this, I'm hearing it all through the microphone on her cell phone, and she has no way of knowing. As long as they talk, I can hear them. I could be miles away doing this, even out of state. I can also hear Carla's actual phone calls. We had her call her mom. Those nearby her can only hear Carla's side of the conversation, but me, at my listening post, I can hear both sides. Did you remember what you were going to ask me? You, oh, you said you talked to Lonnie. Yeah, I talked to Lonnie, and um, he didn't really have a whole lot to say, just that, you know, he had gone back to work, and they'd been busy with Brittany's baby, and I got some pictures. And there's pretty much no way to know if someone has put the software on your phone. One red flag, though, is your phone will light up periodically throughout the day for really no good reason. But folks, is that creepy or what? That's, that's really going on. This isn't make-believe. This is happening now. And listen, it's to your average Joe, Okay. But hey, that's right, maybe it's just those old disgruntled boyfriends who do that. I'm sure the governments around the world would never do something like that against us, would they? Folks, right now, you can check it out for yourself. There's actually, it's been in place for several years. Uh, it's a global monitoring project called Echelon, okay? And it's a cooperative effort between the United States, Canada, England, New Zealand, and Australia. And under the guise of national security, listen, and terrorist threats, Okay, it simply monitors, I'm not making this up, it monitors right now, whether you realize it or not, it monitors and intercepts all phone calls, all faxes, all data transfers, all radio transmissions, and all emails. Right now, are being monitored. Okay, and, and folks, it's so commonplace that believe it or not, even the History Channel has been exposing it, and, and it's like, do we not even care, or have we been conditioned to accept this kind of monitoring society upon us. Let's take a look. They expose it. In the name of security, societies around the world are struggling to redraw the line between surveillance and privacy. The bill before me will help law enforcement to identify, to dismantle, to disrupt, and to punish terrorists before they strike. Just months after the 9-11 attacks, President Bush secretly ordered the government to listen in on some Americans' phone calls without getting warrants. Technically, snooping on communications is not difficult. Almost every phone call, fax, and email passes through a network of towers and satellites. This digital data can be intercepted with listening dishes or by using spy satellites. The U.S. alone has more than 30,000 eavesdroppers scattered around the world working with at least a hundred spy satellites. Every three minutes they collect enough information to fill the Library of Congress. 
governments tell us these technologies make us safer. But where is it all leading? The spirit of Arnold Horshack is all over me. I can answer that, Mr. Cotter. <laughs> it's leading to the Antichrist kingdom, who's going to monitor everything for purposes of control. Excuse me? Of course that's where it's leading. But see, you don't get that if you don't know Bible prophecy. You're left in the dark and you think, oh, well, I guess we'll just deal with it. And so the question is, it gets even deeper than that. And once again, start to get your mind back to that revelation text, specifically the word they're betrayed, turn them in. How are they going to know who's a Christian, who's not? Listen to this. The way that this technology works is, as you saw in the video, they monitor all transmissions via satellites or other means, okay, at the rate of 2 million per hour. And here's what they do. They look for key words. It could be the word like terrorize or assassination or the word bomb. They're literally filtering them, okay? And, and you might say that in your conversation, and they're listening in. But what you meant by it was like, hey, man, uh, we went to the hard tack grill. That cheeseburger was the bomb. You know, that's, that, that's what you meant by it. But listen, folks, believe it or not, okay, that conversation, when you say the word bomb, it, it's a key word they're looking for. A hard copy as well as a recording of your conversation is sent to somebody's desk to be analyzed right now. And you might be like, come on, Pastor, that's just, that's just that wacky conspiracy stuff. I mean, there's no way that the governments around the world would be doing this upon the population, would they? Yeah, in fact, folks, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to Mike Frost. He worked there personally for 19 years collecting information this way. Listen to what he says. He said, communications today knows no borders. Somebody's going to pick it up somewhere, and it's going to end up on somebody's desk. I guarantee it. He gives you a case in point. He says, a lady was on the phone talking to her friend about a school play that she'd been in the night before. Uh, she'd been to the night before. Her son was in the school play, and she thought that he had done a lousy job. So she said on the phone to her friend, boy, he really bombed last night. He said that conversation was highlighted and it ended up on an analyst's desk the next morning because the word bomb was in there. And all the lady was doing was talking about her son in the play the night before. He said, now here's the problem. That conversation that lady had is held indefinitely. So if two or three or four years later, she talks about somebody else bombing or something and the computer spits it out again as being the second or third hit on this person's name, listen, he says, you can graduate from being a possible terrorist to a probable terrorist. It's that easy. And he says, if they say that you're a probable terrorist, listen to this, and pass that information on to those responsible for that sort of activity, he said, listen, just think of what could happen to your life and you would never know why. He says, all of a sudden, your MasterCard doesn't work anymore. You know, you're shut out from selling. All of a sudden, your phone is down. All of a sudden, things are falling apart in your life and you have no reason why and nobody will ever tell you. And he has a warning for those that say, it can't happen to me. He says, quote, if you don't want anybody to know what you're saying, don't say it. Because if you do say it, somebody will be listening. Wow. Think of the significance of the days that we live in. For the first time in the history of mankind, we have the technology, listen, to betray and turn people in anywhere on the whole planet. For the first time in the history of mankind. And maybe that's what they'll do. Maybe they're going to use this exact same technology and all they're going to do to find those nasty Christians is to turn the key word from bomb to Jesus. And when somebody says the word Jesus in a positive light anywhere on the planet, terrorists, go get them. It ain't make-believe, folks. We got the technology to do that right now. Isn't that making that passage? Whoa, Okay. But folks, you might be out there, you know, thinking, okay, I'll tell you what, here's what I'm going to do, Pastor Billy. They can't get me. First of all, I'm going to go to the garage sale right after today's service. I'm going to find me one of those old rotary phones. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, either that or I'm just going to turn my cell phone off. You know what I'm saying? Turn it off. They ain't going to monitor me. Well, believe it or not, folks, not even that works anymore. They can still get you even with the phone off. Let's take a look at that. If you power down your cell phone, there's no way the government could ever hear you. Certainly not the FBI. It's turned off, right? Have we got news for you. All right, here's that cell phone story you've been waiting for. Cell phone users beware, Big Brother may be listening. The Federal Bureau of Investigation can now hear everything you say, even when the cell phone is turned off. I know it sounds kind of out there, but using your phone's tracking device, authorities can now activate the microphone inside the dreaded thing, allowing them to eavesdrop on you and your conversations. I got to thinking about this, I go, wow. First of all, not only so much for personal privacy and private conversations, those are out the window. Anywhere on the planet, by the way. It's on a global scale. Okay, but um, you ever wonder why lately, the last several years, that everybody's been pushing for everybody on the whole planet to have a cell phone? I mean, even kids. In fact, it's even to the point where, hey, if you don't have one, the government will buy one for you. I wonder why. It's a great monitoring device, isn't it? Folks, here's the point, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sure looks to me like all this community technology uh, is leading to the total monitoring of our everyday lives, our information, who we are, what we say, what we think, what we do, for the first time in the history of mankind. And that's exactly what the text says is going to happen. It's a total big brother control society, and they're going to get to the point, they're going to know everything about you, even if you ever even breathe the name of Jesus, they're going to betray you, they're going to turn you into the authorities. That society is here today. And folks, here's the point as always. I mean, what more does God got to do? This is not a game. This is real. He's a God of love. He doesn't want you to go to the seven-year tribulation. He certainly doesn't want you to end up in hell. And so out of love, he's given us in advance these signs of a one-world government to show us it is getting close. You need to be prepared. And this is what Jesus, again, has always been saying, Luke 21, 28. When these begin to take place, you've seen it. It's happening right now for the first time in the history of mankind. One guy can literally control and monitor the whole planet. What's Jesus say? Run, freak out, run to the hills. Ah! You need to get excited because that means the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who's going to squelch all this blown, he's coming back to get his bride. You need to lift up your heads, your redemption is drawing near. And so that's the point. In the meantime, hey, let's get busy. Let's get busy doing the right stuff. Amen? Let's get busy working together as Christians, making a difference while we can, okay, before the hammer comes down, okay? But again, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, the point is always the same. Would you please heed the signs, heed these warnings from God? How much more evidence, how much more obvious proof does he have to give you? This is not a game, this is real. You, unless you accept Jesus Christ now as your Lord and Savior, you are headed, if you're still alive, you're headed to the seven-year tribulation. You're headed to the Antichrist kingdom. Unless you turn and receive Christ as your Savior today. But hey, if you don't want to listen to God's warning, maybe you should be paying attention to the warning from the news. They're predicting in just a couple years, folks, this is going to be our world. I don't want to be a part of this. Let's take a look. More now of our special coverage here tonight, life in the U.S. in 10 years' time. By that time, there may be all kinds of new ways to safeguard and identify all those things that make each of us unique, our faces, even our fingerprints, even our eyes. Here now with more on the future of technology, NBC's Tom Costello. The year is 2017. You're rushed to a hospital, unconscious with no ID or medical history, but thanks to a microchip under your skin, it's all there. Science fiction 20 years ago, but a biometric reality today. 
The technology is based on answering one simple question. Am I who I say I am? Already, fingerprints and iris scans verify passenger identities at airports. Within 10 years, that technology may be even more widespread. And look for more complex facial recognition programs that scan a crowd of thousands looking for a single terrorist. Today's facial recognition software starts with the eyes, then it maps out the contours of the face and compares that against a database of millions, a database that's growing by the day. So will future department stores scan our irises, like in the movie Minority Report, then offer products catered to who we are? Hello, Mr. Yakamoto. Welcome back to the Gap. Experts say that technology is here now. What's next? At the University of Bath in England, researchers predict big changes for consumers. I think it is possible to free us completely of our wallets and keys using biometric technology, if that's what people want in 10 years' time. In fact, it's already here. The latest home security locks use fingerprints to control deadbolts. And at the Jewel Osco grocery store in Chicago, some customers pay using their fingerprints. No paper or plastic. You don't really need anything other than your hand, and you already got that with you. See, if you don't know Bible prophecy, you've never been taught it, you never opened up the Bible, it does seem very convenient, doesn't it? Folks, this is the society that's happening right now. We're actually being conditioned, our whole population is being conditioned right now to, what did she say? Hey, when you're at the store buying and selling, you don't need anything but your hand, and you already have that with you. We're being conditioned right now. You can see it in the news if you know what to look for to start to get ready to accept a mark of the beast. The point is this. If you're here today and you're not saved, you need to get saved now because this is real. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi. This is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay? The, the, another commandment says, you shall not steal. Okay? Uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission... That's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. 
the Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. And that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, 
please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.